56th Psalm. We're going to take a real good look at it this morning so that we can go from fear to trust. This is what David does, and we're going to see this this morning. We're going to be able to apply this to our lives because the same God of David is our God today. And our Lord and Savior is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what David needed, David got. And you and I need it too, in some way, in some form, in some fashion. And we can get it today. So let's go from fear to trust in the 56th Psalm. Be merciful unto me, O God. For man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise His word. In the Lord will I praise His word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto Thee. For Thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Most of us parents have experienced the dependence of our children upon us in their time of fear. If your child was in their bedroom and they were asleep, but they were awakened by maybe a nightmare, maybe the thunder and lightning of a storm, or just maybe some strange sound, there might be a scream, there would probably most definitely be an exit from their room and down the hallway into mom and dad's room. They do that because they don't want to be alone. They want someone they can trust in who will give them strength and tell them good things. 
And give them comfort because they don't want those fears anymore. They want them to go away. So they run to who can help them with their fears. Now, the memory of that nightmare may stay dancing around in their minds. The storm may not end. The strange sounds may continue for the child. What they face may not change, but how they face it will change. And the way that changes is by mom and dad's presence, comforting words for the children. They are then able to face their fears in the midst of their struggles. And this is exactly what God does for us as you and I face our fears in life when we trust in Him. Don't tell me you don't have any fears this morning. We all do. Maybe your fear is arachnophobia. Maybe you have a fear of spiders. I heard a story about a man and, and he was riding in the car with a fellow police officer. And here there's a spider in the car and this man gets deathly afraid. He's ready to jump out of the car. And his fellow officer had never seen anything like it. And he thought it was a joke. But he killed a spider one time on his head and those baby spiders went down into his ear. And you know there's hundreds of them. Uh, Arachnophobia. Acrophobia. The fear of heights. Aerophobia. The fear of flying. Guilty. Claustrophobia. You know the, the fear of small places. There are all kinds of fears we face. There are spiritual fears that the children of God face. There are Christians who are mortified about sharing their faith. It's not right. It's not okay. That's the way it is with way too many... One is too many, and several have a fear of sharing their faith. How about answering a call to ministry? Fear comes over one when that time comes. I knew of a preacher who was called by the Lord to preach, and he ran from it. And not only did he run from it, he sipped on a whiskey bottle for about 10 years thinking he could numb the conviction. It didn't go away. And I'm glad to report, praise the Lord, he threw that whiskey bottle down, broke it. It was never filled with anything like that that went in his mouth again. And he served God's people and he preached for the next 50 years. How about a fear of enduring hardships for our faith, standing for our faith, no matter what the cost. That's what it takes to be a disciple, yet there are spiritual fears like this that the Christian faces. Or maybe it's the, the common, most popular top five that I could say that many people go through, because there are many fears which have to do with our families. In one way or in several ways, 
There are those who have a constant pressure upon their life concerning their finances. There is a fear of finances for so many people. For our health, people have fear concerning their health or or maybe the future. Just simply fear over the future. David had some fears, and we see those fears listed in God's Word this morning, in the beginning of this chapter, starting in verse 1. And it goes down through verse 6. But David had a fear of his enemies. That's what we can read and see in verses 1 and 2, and in 5 and 6. These these enemies were none of David's own fault. He was innocent, yet he feared that they would swallow him up. He feared the oppression that he would experience. That that word oppressed, it it means to put a squeeze on. And David had a squeeze put on him by his enemies as he was fleeing from his enemies. He experienced this and he tells God his fear here. In verse 5 he says, They rest my words. David had anything that he said twisted by his enemy, whether it be Saul, whether it be the Philistines, he had his words twisted. Twisted just as just as they did to Jesus, just as they did to Paul, as the Judaizers tried to turn God's people against Paul, saying that he speaks out of both sides of his mouth and he's saying two different things. He had fear of the thoughts of his enemies. David's enemies had plans to kill him. They had wicked devices set up for him. He feared this. And in verse 6, the list goes on of the enemies and and the details of David's fear. And maybe somewhere in what we've listed this morning, we have hit yours. Or maybe at least we have caused you to think about your fear. Maybe there's a detail that has already come to light within you that you are hindered by a fear in your life. You are not able to operate as you should. Maybe the light comes on and you realize you have been, you have been uh, altered in some way in your life by a fear that is defeating you. You are afraid of it and it's paralyzing you. Maybe your fear is something that doesn't exist. You know, many people fear things ahead. Things that they are anticipating coming and happening in their lives. And guess what? Many times it never happens. Jesus promises troubles in our lives, but Charles Spurgeon said 80% of our troubles we bring upon ourselves because we're fearing something that never even comes to pass. So our fears may exist or they may not even be in existence. Nevertheless, we fear. We all fear in some way. Some of the godliest Christians that I have known who were saved at a young age, they've been Christians for 50 years, they've been serving the Lord with their life, they have given sincere prayer requests for courage. 
their prayer in the seasoned, most mature part of their lives, in age and as a child of God, is courage to help them with their fears. So, we know that we all have fears to face and to deal with. With David, we see a moment of mingling in verse 3 between fear and trust. David says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. We see a present fear and we see a present trust at the same time. I don't know how long both of these can go on. It is definitely not meant to go on for your lifetime. I would think it wouldn't be meant to go on for a month or even a day. I know it doesn't have to be a day. I know in, the mo- in a moment that our fear can turn to trust by faith in the Lord. Whatever the case in this timeline of having fear and having trust, whatever the case, there is a remedy for fear. There is only one place to go that will cut fear off at the root, and that is trust in the Lord. Some of us have prayed, Lord, how long am I going to have to deal with my fears? It just may be, if we sat alone with God and read this 56th Psalm to Him, that there would be an answer impressed upon our hearts, you're going to deal with it until you trust Me. Trust cancels out fear. The Christian is to respond to fear with trust in God. You may have questions this morning. Maybe your question is, what does it really do for us to take our fear, to take our worry, to take our anxiety, and to turn to the Lord and to try to trust Him in the middle of this, to trust Him? What does it do? Well, it simply keeps us from sinking under our fears. When we trust in the Lord... When we trust... all around us. There may not be any sign of a calmness anywhere in sight, but when we hope, the hope of deliverance, to be able to expect deliverance from our fears is only going to come by the Lord. So that is where our hope comes from in fear, by trusting Him. But what does God have in store for us? that we might trust Him? What are we trusting in when we trust in God? How about His promises? They are all through His Word. Jesus says... 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. The world gives us the things that cause our fears. But Jesus gives us peace. And then He says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because He promises peace to His people. In Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 4 we read, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. There are promises for you and I when we trust in the Lord. Deuteronomy 31.6 The Lord promises at the end of that verse that He will go with thee, He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And in, so for that, because of that, in the beginning of the verse, He says, Be strong and of good courage, fear not. What does God have for us? When we put our trust in Him, He has His promises He gives us. He also has His power He gives us. There is no power greater than the power God operates with through a life that is trusting Him. Why should we, in all of our fears, trust in God? Because of His power, there is nothing nor anyone that overcomes fear. There might be a whisper of an argument out there, and I don't want to talk about something to put a band-aid on our fears. I don't want to talk about something that might be a deception in helping us. I don't want to consider any waste of time secularly, but go to the very greatest thing that we can do to get rid of our fears. And that is the Lord. There's nothing that compares to the power of the Lord in our lives. There are no fears that He can't overcome. You can't say that of anything else, not even, not even a little bit. God removes our fear, or He sustains us in our fear. So David now experiences the triumph of trust. Look with me in verse 4. In God, I will praise His Word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. David could not praise the words of men. But he could praise the word of the Lord. David could not trust in the arm of his flesh, but he could trust in his Lord, and as a result of trusting God, he would not fear the arm of any flesh that would come against him. Oh, the trust that we have privilege to in the Lord. His enemies wanted to swallow him. His enemies slandered him. They twisted his words. They lurked for his life. But when he turned to trust in God, fear 
was all around, but fear could not get the victory over David. He found his God to be closer than his enemies were when he trusted in Him. God's promises were speaking louder to Him than the threats of His enemies. Instead of sweating and fretting, David was trusting and he was singing. He was praising. Don't say that can't be you and I. Don't say that God can't do for you and I what He does for David. Because His Word is everlasting. His promises will be fulfilled. His power does not fade. He will do for you and I what He will do for David. Don't say that He won't do that for you. Don't don't exclude yourself in your mind from this right here. Some of us can get in a rut with fear. And you know they call a, a rut a coffin kicked out at both ends. And we're, we're useless in fear. It's unnecessary for you and I to be defeated by fear. Of our mind. He did it for David, we see here, and He does it for you and I. Trusting God and His Word. He still works for good today in our lives. The 119th Psalm, it's a very large division of the Psalm. And something very unique about it is that every verse of that Psalm has mention of the Word of God in some way. It might be precept, it might be scripture, it might be judgment, but everything mentions the Word of God. And it will do what it says it will do. The, the 119th Psalm just just a few things. We could have gone 20 minutes on this. Just a few. It will keep us undefiled, the Word of God is, will. It cleanses our way. It removes reproach and contempt. The Word of God will strengthen us. The 119th Psalm and the 39th verse says, Turn away my reproach which I fear. For thy judgments are good. There's where the Word of God comes in. There's a triumph of trust when that trust is in the Lord and in His Word. For David's fear, his, his enemies, there was the surety of sin that David's mind went to. Look at verse 7. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger... Cast down the people, O God. You can't help but believe that David wasn't thinking that way. He didn't have that on the heart and the mind. He was not strengthened by this whenever fear was concerned. He trusts in the Lord. He looks at their situation of being sinners. And David's a child of God. His enemy's situation of sin. David calls on God about the cause of his fears, which is the sinfulness of men. David didn't want God to just destroy them physically 
and in every way right before His presence. That wasn't the heart of Him when He's calling down the anger of God. You see, David is trusting the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that God loves justice. He is a just God and He is judge and He shall judge. So David considers the judgment of God and we see that sin comes with a fall. There's never security with sin. So David is able to say, why am I fearing these when they are opposite of God's side? Sin never prevails. Sin never gets the victory. But David finds that trust does. We not only see a moment of mingling and a triumph of trust and the surety of sin, but go with me starting in verse 8. How about knowing that he knows? David knows that the Lord knows when he trusts in Him. Look with me at verse 8. David says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Think about him. Think about him on the run. Think about him, the innocent David, being called by God to be king. Think about the bitter Saul. Consider him chasing him. Consider him going to get his life. Consider David on the run for his life. His panting, his crying, his fears that he was experiencing. Now he says... Thou tellest my wanderings. David knows that the Lord knows our path. David was comforted by the record that God has kept of all of his journeys. His motions, when he was being hunted down, God knew. And David knows that God knew. He numbered David's steps and the way he made his steps and why he made the steps that he made. God has known the entire hunt for David's life. David knows that the Lord knows our path. David knows that the Lord knows our pain. Again in verse 8, Put thou my tears into thy bottle, are they not in thy book? David not only wandered, but David wept while he wandered. God had a book though. God had a book for David's fears, and He had a bottle for David's tears. It's been said that when someone's loved one passed away, that they held a wineskin and they cried their tears into the wineskin and they placed it and had it buried with their loved one who had gone on. In a sense of you and I understanding God's compassion for us, know this that your tears never hit the earth. They never touch the ground. God is afflicted by our afflictions. God is not too busy for our lives. 
God is not a God who has no feelings. He has feelings for us. He cares. He hurts when we hurt. When we rejoice, He rejoices. He is moved by us. And He stores our tears as treasures. And as for our sorrows and our hurts, He keeps a ledger. He's a good record keeper. And He's a great scorekeeper. He's excellent in it. And David knew it. David knew that his God knew and that God knowing was bad for David's enemies. Do you see the transformation that David is able to experience by trust? Do you see the weakness and fear that comes to strength and trust in the Lord? That's for you and I too. I tell you what, it's bad news for our fears when we know that the Lord knows. I didn't look them up, but there are some psalms you can go to throughout this book of the Bible. And you will find the psalmist in distress, depressed, downtrodden, but you won't hear a request. They'll be praying in song, but you won't hear a request. What you will hear is contentment just in the fact that the Lord knows. Is it good enough for you that the Lord knows what we're going through when you can't see His hand. In the midst of the adversity, the contentment for the psalmist was knowing that He knew. God is always doing something. He is always at work for the good in our lives. That is a fact. But we don't always see His hand. If you and I must see God's hand at work for us to trust Him, we are in serious trouble. Because we are not always going to see His hand. But what is always is knowing that He knows. The Lord always knows and you and I can know that. I had an experience many years ago. And it was a trying experience. It was, I wouldn't call these people my enemy, but I would call it a, a, a situation like that in an instance, if you will. And I went to granddaddy. I didn't think he was going to say anything to help. I just needed to tell somebody. I told the Lord, but you understand I was a young Christian and I had a crutch. So I went to my crutch and I told him what happened. And he said exactly what I expected him to say first. He said something real sarcastic about the people. And that brought a chuckle, so that helped for a couple of seconds. But then he said, you know what you do about that, right? I said, I don't have a clue. He said, you tell the Lord, you saw that, right? You heard that, right? I want to tell you what. That didn't impress me in the moment. But when I got home and I thought about the fact that the Lord knew my wanderings, 
when I thought about the fact that he had my tears in a bottle, that he had a ledger of everything going on, that he knew, that he saw it, I could, I could take my hands off a desire for revenge or anything like that and leave it with him. If you come to me for some kind of advice in that situation, that's what I have for you. And I'm telling you, it's good and it works to know that the Lord sees, to know that the Lord hears, to know that the Lord knows all of our situation. That helps your fears and that helps my fears. He knows our pain. He knows our prayer. Verse 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Did you know, child of God, that we do our best fighting on our knees? Did you ever think about how our prayers and our tears are weapons against the enemy? They're weapons against those things, those people who cause us fear. God knows. God knows and He's for us to plead our cause, to protect us and deliver us. No matter how many are against us, who can prevail? You can ask that question boldly and you can ask that question confidently when your trust, when your dependence, when you are relying upon Him. For God is for me. Do you believe that when we read that? Look there in verse 9. For God is for me. In your fears, whatever has happened, whatever is happening, do you know that God is for you? That's trust. That's when you're trusting. When our trust is in God, the greater experience is God is for us. Not the experience of our fear, but God, but that He hears all, that He knows all. He knows our prayer. He knows our praise. Look with me in verse 10. In God will I praise His Word. In the Lord will I praise His Word. You might want to think that David was in the wrong place at the wrong time with Saul with the Philistines. But I tell you what, he was always in the right key to sing God's praises. He praised his God in song. He repeated it again in the next line. You can't give your God too much praise. There is no situation that will ever exist in our lives where God is not due praise. There is no time that we should not praise God. He repeats it over and over. God's Word is a cause for praise in any circumstance of life that we're in. And He knows our praise, and He's pleased with our praise. David also knows that the Lord knows our perception. Look in verse 11. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. 
How about that perception of David now? Look back in the beginning, if you want, in verses 1 and 2 and 5 and 6, and look at the change in David's perception when he has gone from... Singing. Just like the description and the example of David. If it's trust, then we'll be that the Lord knows. I will render praises unto thee. There is nothing wrong with making vows, promises to God in our time of trouble. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I've heard people criticize that many times. There's not a thing wrong with that. What's wrong is not fulfilling our promises to God. What's wrong is if we're thinking Everything from Almighty God is free of charge. We should vow vows to God, though. Not to bargain, but... ...of our commitment. He is worthy of our dedication. Someone made the point that I'm glad We should make promises to God and we should keep them. If David made promises to God while he was keeping the sheep, he should be keeping those promises while he's running from Saul. And God is worth that. He's worth our vows to Him. He is worth us treating our vows to Him as He treats His vows to us. God doesn't know a broken promise. He doesn't know... ...promises to God and keep our promises to God no matter what situation we find ourselves in in life. If you break your leg, but you have promised God you're going to run a mile... Y'all did learn how to get swift on those crutches. Because all God knows is a full. Making promises to him and not breaking promises made to him. David was convicted in the midst of his destruction.
we see our pleasure. For thou hast delivered my soul. This is our pleasure. This is a pleasure that God wants us to have. In the moment, we understand that God's pleasure takes precedence over anything else. The most important thing is that God be pleased. However, however, a life of pleasure. He does not want you and I walking around in the darkness of fear. If you're realizing that your life is altered by a fear in some way this morning, praise God because there's hope for you. There's an expectation for that monster of fear that seems to be getting the upper hand. And that is simply trust in your God. And living. God does not want you to live in fear. God wants you to live. Paul said, but as for me, to live is Christ. David here in this psalm, he is a helpless, silent dove in distant places. In this psalm, he is turning from fear to trust. And he knows that God is working on His behalf. And His sorrow became a joyful song. And so I ask you as we close this morning, is that your confidence? Is this event and this child of God, what He experienced, is that your experience? Is your confidence what David's confidence is? Is your life summed up by fear? Or is it summed up by trust? The two are opposite. Is David's assurance yours? Well, I, I want to say it is, but, but how can I know? Well, we could have a ten-point answer for that. We'll just give a couple of things as we close. Is David's assurance yours? Well, let me ask you this. Is it enough to know that God knows when you can't see His hand? When it seems like a spiritual drought, is it enough for you that God knows? When things aren't changing, is it enough for you that God knows? That, that comes by trust. That effect, the effect of knowing that He knows, giving contentment, that comes by trust. Just one more. Are you okay with God changing you instead of your circumstance? That's how you know we trust. Because what do we want? We want the circumstances to change. And they can't change fast enough. And we're tempted to hurry God. What if that circumstance does not leave? And what if He changes you? And what if He changes me?
and says, My grace is sufficient for you. If you're satisfied with that, then you're trusting Him. There may be a fear here this morning. There may be a fear here that can't be helped exactly in the way that we've described it. Maybe your fear is hell. Maybe you don't have peace of heaven. If you've never trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and believed on Him as your Lord and Savior of your life, then then I hope you're scared to death. I hope you're scared to death of hell. But don't stay there in that fear. I want to tell you this morning that God's Son came and He lived a life that you and I could never live. There's a lot of confusion in religion and people trying to do a lot of good living to make up for the bad. And I'd like to redirect you not to waste your time. Everyone falls short. God only accepts perfection. And His Son lived a perfect life so that you can be saved by Him. The penalty of sin is death. That's separation from God for eternity. That hits home because we've all sinned except for Jesus Christ. The one who didn't have to pay the penalty did And He did it for all. And God accepted His sacrifice for you in your place. Salvation is a very personal thing. And it's for you this morning. If you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you a sinner from your sins, He'll give you everlasting life. And you will have peace with God. You'll no longer be at enmity and hostility with God. We're all born that way. But Jesus Christ has built a bridge, if you will, with a cross and a couple of nails. That's the way to God. It's through the cross. Would you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as Lord and Savior of your life? Children of God, Let your lives become everything that God wants it to become. That can't happen if we're defeated by fear. If we are defeated by fear, it is our fault. Because God has given the victory. You can trust in Him this morning. Let us all bow to the Lord in a word of prayer. And God bless you for tuning in this morning. O Father God in heaven, as we bow humbly before your presence, O Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your precious Son. O Father, that you would reach that one that's nearest hell, that the reality of separation from you and the universal law of sowing and reaping wouldn't be denied or there wouldn't be deception any longer for that one, that sinner, that would come to Jesus Christ to know Him as Lord and Savior. We pray you draw them. We pray that they would 
live every moment in fear until they trust you. And as for your people, I just want to thank you for the victory. I want to thank you that you know everything about us and you know the fears that this world brings. But we can trust you, Lord. And we thank you for what you do as a result. That we can become what you want us to be without that hindrance of fear. Rid it from our lives, whether the situation leaves or stays. Give us victory over our fears, Lord. For it's in Jesus Christ's most precious and holy name we pray. Amen.